Good to see you tonight. So, doing something a little bit different this evening. We are inviting everyone here to attend our starting point class, so our first one anyway. And um, I know many of you, just looking out there, uh, many of you already signed up, and, and certainly we're going to cover it for the rest of the, the month. But um, I'll be honest with you, I, I, it, in, in preparing for this, I neglected to do one thing, and that's roster someone else to preach this evening. So um, that's, that's my uh, uh, shortcoming a little bit there um, with, with everything else going on. So I just decided for the first one, um, we'll all come together. And for those of you who are, have signed up for Starting Point, you don't miss out, but then I don't have to put it on someone else in, at late notice, all right? So, so bear with me tonight. We're going we're gonna, to um, treat this like, like we would our Starting Point class, and then, uh, then we'll have our time of prayer. So it might be a little bit longer this evening. Um, I want to say to you who, who are new to the church and, um, and did sign up as part of the uh, the starting point class that that normally we will meet in the cafe, and then we'll have just a, a, a time together there, and usually we'll have an opportunity at the end to just um, ha- have some discussions and conversation. But obviously tonight we won't have that opportunity because we will come together to pray. I didn't want to neg- neglect that this evening. But if you did get your handout, um, what we're going to do is consolidate the the next couple of weeks into one booklet. Uh, but just for tonight, we'll have just what we're going to cover this evening. Um, and so if you look at that, we're going to, we're going to refer to that. And then you follow along and uh, the guys will, will do their best to sort of go on the right slide, all right? But um, basically, starting point is just for anyone who, who's new to the church or has any questions about who we are, what we believe, and where we're headed. And, you know, uh, the two goals that really come, uh, come to mind as far as why we, we ought to have this is firstly unity, right? Um, you know, many times we can, we can come in a, in a group setting and sort of, sort of maybe know what, what, uh, what the church is, but maybe not. And the thing that, that will help us as we go forward as a church is really just to have unity and the Bible tells us in Amos 3.3, can two walk together except they be agreed? And the, the foundation of which we have unity is really founded on doctrine, but then also an understanding of, of who we are as a church. And, and so tonight, what we're going to do is define that a little bit. You know, we're, we're a church that is named Good Shepherd Baptist Church. And you understand the concept of the Good Shepherd but really, we're also we're a Baptist church. We're an independent Baptist church. And we're going to talk a little bit about why and all of that. And then next week, Lord willing, we'll talk through, um, we'll, we'll talk through our doctrine. We'll go through our doctrinal statement. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on a, a few of those details next week. And then the following week, where you can serve, what, what ministries you'd, you can be involved in. And then the last week will be just where we're headed in the future. And we'll talk a little bit about vision and all of that. And, and I think when, when all of that comes together, the hope is that we'd, we'd just have a, a unified mind. Uh, we'd be like-minded and then you'd decide this is the place that you'd like to be part of and this is the, the church family that you see yourself going into the future. But then the second reason 
that we have this class is not only for unity, but also just for growth and understanding that, that the Christian life is about growing. And maybe you're right at the beginning of your journey in the Christian life. Maybe you've just been saved in the, the last couple of months or you've just come into an environment where the Bible's being taught. And, and really the point of it is just to show that there's growth that's, that's, uh, that's needed, but then also that we're, we're about helping you in your journey of growth. And so, um, you know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. And there's meant to be that effectual working and that growing. And, and we want you to know that, that as, as part of, of being here at Good Shepherd Baptist Church, that one of, our, one of our heart's desires and one of our goals is to help you grow, help you to be effectual as a part of our church. And then he, the Bible says, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And a major reason why we come together is for edification. It's to be built up in the faith. And so that's all about growth. And, and that's really my prayer as we head into this time together, that we would find ourselves in a place of unity, in a place of growing, and, and again, as we, we go through the different parts of the, of the course, you'll have opportunity to just um, to ask questions and talk through. And it's, it's a better setting than what we we're doing tonight in a larger setting like this. But, um, but I hope that you just listen in this evening as we get into it. So we'll start off, and I want to read just basically um, what, what is stated in our constitution and covenants regarding our purpose and you know, sometimes we, we go into things without really understanding what the purpose is. You know, we could, we could sort of just go, well, it's church, and we, you know, this is, we meet, and we do this, and we do that. But I think it's really important to start off just to, to state there what our purpose is. And, um, and again, Article 2, under the heading purpose, the purpose is to serve as a church home for those of like precious faith in this area to conduct services of the church for the worship of God, edification of its members, and the administration of its ordinances. So, firstly, to accept and fully implement the Great Commission, as given in Matthew 28, 19-20, to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints in Jude 3-4, to do all things necessary and conducive to promote, maintain, and extend the ministries of the church, to advance the Christian faith in Australia and elsewhere by the conduct of evangelism or by the estab establishment of further churches or missionary works with similar objects and to advance the teaching of Christian principles and faith through Good Shepherd Christian School, a ministry of the church. And so that we, we've noted there really the, just the, the broader purpose of the church and that's really to, to ensure that we're evangelizing the lost but then we're also edifying the saints and furthering the, the, the work of, of the gospel throughout our nation into all the world. Um, and so with that, I mentioned that we're not just a Baptist church, we're an independent Baptist church. And that's noted for us in, in Article 8 of our, of our Constitution uh, regarding church affiliation. Um, it's the policy of this church to choose churches and organizations with whom it wishes to fellowship. As a guideline, uh, this church will not knowingly support the false theological position of any group, church, organization, union, fellowship, etc. That is, firstly, not in agreement with our doctrinal statement. 
in fellowship with the World Council of Churches or any of its affiliates, ecumenical in its concepts of organization and would seek to sponsor the Lord's work with the aid of Bible-denying liberals, apostates, and other unbelievers, infringing on the autonomy of the local church in any manner, it is the express intention of the members of the Good Shepherd Baptist Church that it never becomes a part of the Baptist Union of Queensland or any other union or conference. In an effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, Ephesians 4.3, it is necessary that persons considering membership in Good Shepherd Baptist Church understand that the church is not sympathetic with false religious systems and extra-biblical cults, for example, Roman Catholicism, Jehovah's Witnesses, etc., or extreme charismatic and Calvinistic positions. All right, so, so that's just noted there, and, and really importantly, that's the independence. We're not, uh, we're not uh, governed by anybody, or we're not governed externally, aside from what we'll cover tonight, aside from, the, from our biblical authority. And so, really, that's, that's part of why we are an independent Baptist church. And so, what is a Baptist? And as Baptists, we have certain distinctives, and we're going to use an acronym. Now, personally, I'm not a fan of acronyms or as outlines, but this is a good way as a summary of what generally Baptists believe. And again, you might be thinking, well, why do we even have a label? You know, why do we? And, and there's a, there's, it's almost at times fashionable today for a lot of churches to drop any kind of label to, to, to indicate um, any kind of uh, denomination. What, the reason why we keep the Baptist name is because of the doctrine. Because Baptist has historically had a clear understanding of New Testament doctrine. And, and it's important not to dissuade people away by, by just by labels, but for people to understand that there are certain things that we will stand for. And again, the, 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 our statement of faith is there, but it's, it's, it's just good that when people come, they can look at that and they, they know this is a Baptist church and Baptists believe this. All right? And, and again, um, we'll look at it later on. Um, not saying that the only church in the world is the Baptist church, but I'm saying that there's a, there's a, uh, there's a connection to the, the, the doctrines of the Word of God when it comes to that. So... So really quickly tonight in this acronym, the first one um, for, in our acronym here for B is biblical authority. All right, we want to make sure and understand that uh, really from, from the get-go, uh, the Bible is our authority for all faith and practice. So turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and maybe you're wondering if we we're going to open our Bibles tonight. We are, all right? We're a Baptist church, so... Um, Okay, so 2 Timothy chapter 3, and um, usually we'll have a little bit of, uh, of, of class participation, but for the sake of order tonight, we won't, all right? So, um, Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so the Bible, all scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. 
Okay, doctrine is just the teachings of the Word of God for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so there's much that we, we can speak about the, the Bible tonight, but suffice it to say, it's, it's, um, it's our authority. You know, the, the, when we teach, we will open the Bible. When we, uh, when we view the, the world, it'll be through the worldview of the Bible. That'll be the lens. And we believe that the Bible was uh, inspired by God and then is preserved for us and for us um, as, as the English-speaking people in the King James Bible. And we will talk about that next week specifically. But the, the, one of our distinctives and our first distinctive is that we have its biblical authority. And so the teachings that, and the, 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 the practices that we have, it's got to have a, a biblical foundation and a biblical base. All right, look at, um, look at Matthew 24, 35. Notice what, uh, notice what the Lord said about his word. And notice this promise given us in, in Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He says, forever, O Lord, thy words are settled in heaven. And so he has a high... Uh, he has a, a high view of his word, and, and we have a high view of God's word. And so we see that it's, we have B, biblical authority. Second one is, is A, the autonomy of the local church. Notice there, look at, look at Acts, chapter, Acts chapter 1. And I already referred to it a little bit earlier in our in that excerpt from our statement of faith that our church is not governed by uh, some sort of external hierarchy or denominationalism. We are an independent Baptist church, meaning that there's no, we don't answer to anyone outside of the Lord and, and the, the authority of the scriptures. And, and so when it comes to church decisions, when it comes to church discipline, there's no external factor to that. It's, it's got to be within the bounds of Scripture, all right? And so Acts 1.8 really speaks of one of our great purposes, and um, the Bible says here, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, unto the uttermost part of the earth. And that commission was given uh, to, uh, to the apostles and down to us as the, as the church. Look at Acts chapter 2. And notice verses, verses 41 to 47. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. <coughs> and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. 
And the Lord added to the church daily as such as should be saved. And so we have the autonomy of, of the local church. And what we mean by autonomy of the local church is each local church is, self, is a self-governing body and cannot be part of another body. Churches of an area per se may fellowship with each other, right? As we do, we have our, our annual leadership conference and, and we endeavor to work together with those who are of like faith to accomplish various ministries, right? Like, like camp, sending missionaries or, or other times where we're edified in the word. But while cooperating with others, each church remains a self-governing entity in itself. All right? This means the local church is to govern its own affairs under God. All right? there, there's no instance in Scripture where one church among the many we read about was under the direction or control of another. We have no hierarchy of a clergy class over the local church. Each local church is independent. Each is sovereign and autonomous as it carries on its work and conducts in its own ministry and work for the Lord. Okay, the, the, the New Testament church is an autonomous body separated unto the Lord. Okay, meaning also this, it's separate from state, it's separate from all other organizations, and holds only Christ as its head with the word of God, its only rule of faith and practice. Right? Part of that is for us, it's for the ministry of evangelism. We read about that in Acts chapter 1.8. As a church, it's for standing for the truth. We're to be the pillar and ground of the truth. We're to be a center of Bible teaching, right? We're to prove all things. And then we're to fellowship. It's, it's for the fellowship of the saints. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians. Look at 1 Corinthians. <coughs> and uh, look at verse, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. That's that fellowship that we have in Christ. Verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so for us as, as, as believers... We're to, were to come together um, as a local body for fellowship in Christ Jesus. And so our greatest commonality isn't our backgrounds. It's not our family ties. Actually, when we come together, the greatest commonality we have is we name the name of Christ. And so we come and we're an autonomous or independent local church. All right? So that's autonomy of the local church. Notice the next one, P, is the priesthood of all believers. Okay, and notice with me, look at 1 Peter. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. And notice verse 5. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to, op- uh, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. 
Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And notice that word uh, repeated there, priesthood. You are a royal priesthood, you are a peculiar people. And, and that, that idea of the priesthood, when you look at the Old Testament, was they were to come on your behalf to God. But what we believe scripturally is the priesthood of all believers, meaning that if you put your faith and trust in Christ, you can come directly to the Lord. And you don't have to have a representative. You have an advocate. His name is Jesus Christ. And he, he comes, he's forever interceding on your behalf, but you can come and you know when, when the, the Lord Jesus, he, uh, he rose again and we understand that, that at, at, his, uh, at his death, that temple veil was ripped, signifying that there was no longer that, that holy of holies. You can enter in. And so the priesthood of all believers means that you can go directly to God. Hey, listen, that's, a, that's an important doctrine. That's why you can pray tonight, by the way. That's why you can come boldly before the throne of grace. And that's why you don't have to come to a priest or a pastor or to any other intermediary. You can go directly to the God of heaven. And so that's P is priesthood of all believers. Fourthly, T. Okay, the two ordinances. So we've, we've seen them. We, we, if you've been uh, attending our church for uh, even a, a few months, you know that we, we have the two ordinances. The first one is believer's baptism. All right, and again, we read that earlier in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Uh, they that gladly received this word were baptized. Now, baptism is a, is a, a picture. It doesn't add to salvation. It do, it's not needful for salvation. What, but what baptism is, it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's as, as uh, is biblically practiced, it's only by immersion. So there's no sprinkling. All right? It's, it's for those who've put their faith and trust in Christ, and it's a picture, it's a, by immersion to picture the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. All right, that's one of the ordinances. The second one is the Lord's Supper. Um, look at First, uh, First Corinthians chapter 11. <coughs> and many of you, you would have known to turn there because we turn there every time. Right? And, and there's that teaching by, by Paul. Again, as a, as a correction to the church in Corinth for how they've corrupted the manner in which they were doing the Lord's Supper. But notice again in verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. And for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. And so the, the remembrance of the Lord's Supper, we have the two elements. We have the bread, which is a remembrance of his broken body. 
We have the cup, which is filled with grape juice. It's got no fermentation because fermentation is a picture of sin and death. And so we have that as a picture of the blood of Christ and the, the, the atonement, atoning work of the blood. And so those two ordinances are believers' baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, with the Lord's Supper, we don't have it, um, you know, just, just scheduled. It's not a ritual that we just perform. The Bible tells us it's as oft as we do it. And there's a liberty in that. And as a church, we practice open open um, communion or uh, an open practice of that, meaning that you don't have to be a member of our church. You just have to know that you've put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's, that's given for us in Scripture, and nowhere in Scripture does it say that um, it's only for those who are members of a church, right? And so we see that the two ordinances is believers' baptism and the Lord's Supper. The next one is individual soul liberty. Look at, look at Romans chapter 14. So we're working our way down our acronym. Okay, Romans chapter 14. And we'll start there in verse 5. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not that day to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. And so individual soul liberty simply means that each and every one of us are accountable to God for our individual decisions. All right, that means that in Christ you have liberty. Uh, the Bible tells us only not use liberty for an occasion for the flesh. We're supposed, so we're supposed to be responsible before the Lord, but we will stand on our own at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for our lives. And so th there's, a, there's, there's no, um, there's, no uh, there's, there's no one else that will represent you. There's no one else that you could point to to say that, you know, they made me do this. And actually, when it comes to it, as, as, as individuals before the Lord, no one else has charge over you apart from those that God has identified as authorities in your life. And so that's individual soul liberty. Um, the next one, S, is saved and baptized church membership. All right, and again, we, we won't go back to Acts chapter 2, but the pattern there, as God added to the church, was that they were saved and they, they gladly received his word and they were baptized. And so as we consider membership in the church, 
We consider those who put their faith and trust in Christ. That's the saved. So if there was a time in your life where you trusted Christ for your salvation and then you were baptized, then you can be a member of the church. All right? So that's S. And then T, the last one, is two officers of the church. Now turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. <coughs> 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. And then there's a, the prescription there of, the, uh, of the, the, the characteristics of someone who the Bible calls here the bishop. The Bible uses this, the other word um, for it, pastor, and then another word, elder, all right? And those are all interchangeable, but that's the office of the pastor, and then skip down the notice, verse 8. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double tongue, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. Now, the other office is the office of the deacon. And the deacon, as uh, we, we've gone through over the course of earlier this year, is the, the chief servants. All right? They, the, the word deacon is the idea of a waiter, someone who waits on others. And so we have, uh, we have the two officers of the church. So I know that was, that was um, that's just a, a summary in that acronym. We'll, we'll cover a little bit more in detail the, the specific um, doctrines, but that's our distinctives. Okay? That's what sets us apart from, um, from other uh, creeds and other beliefs. And so that's, that's where we're at. Now, I want to, I know we're, we're, we're getting on in the evening, but... Um, what are Baptists? So now we've sort of talked about independent Baptists, and then we've talked about the distinctives, but what are Baptists? Why Baptist? A Baptist is really strictly one who administers baptism, right? It, it was, a, it was a, a name given by those who, uh, who, uh, who really were our enemies, those who, uh, who persecuted those who just believed in the, in the Bible pattern of immersion. But the name has come to mean more. Baptists have sought to pattern their beliefs and practices after the pattern of the New Testament churches. Okay, we hold to this day that the Bible is our only rule of faith and practice. And Baptists believe the scriptures teach believers' baptism. Okay, when people were saved and sought to unite with Baptist churches, they were required to be baptized by immersion, as clearly taught in the Bible. And this brought down the wrath of the churches that practiced infant baptism and resulted in the Baptists being grossly misrepresented and often bitterly persecuted. Many even died for their stand, and this is the origin of the modern name Baptist. Okay, doctrinally, though, uh, doctrinally, uh, doctrinally sound New Testament churches have always existed from the time of Christ and the apostles until today. And what I'm saying is to call these people Baptist or Baptistic is not necessary. It's just that we see the, the, the similar or the same beliefs biblically because they, they follow the Bible as their sole authority for faith and practice. And, and, and again, um, it's, it's, a, it's a name given to identify our our set of beliefs and distinctives. And I won't take the time. You can read the, the, whole, um, the whole couple of pages there regarding the history of the Baptist, some interesting thoughts there in regard to how, um, 
how it really began during the 17th century, around the time when the King James Bible was, was put together. But we won't take the time for that. But I want to give you an important distinction. All right? And, and, and being a Baptist is what distinguishes us from other religions or denominations in the world today. So I think it's important. But while it's important to be under that banner as such, being a Baptist does not supersede being a child of the living God. Okay, so I want you to know this. We're a Bible-believing Christian first, a Baptist second. And so any, any others who would, would, would adhere to the, the New Testament pattern, we would say is Baptistic, but we would also say they're just this, they're just Bible-believing. All right, and so we're Bible-believing first, we're Baptist second. Now, history of, of our church, we've, we've sort of touched on this over the last couple of months, so I won't take the time again tonight. But in 1976, um, really the, a, a group was formed called the Good Shepherd Baptist Chapel. Um, in 1977, that relocated to Aspley Kindergarten Hall. And then in 1978, the church formally organized to become Good Shepherd Baptist Church on the 30th of August. Um, in 1980, this current property was purchased by that group of people. And then by 1982, um, some, some of the work commenced, and then the, the church also voted for a Christian school to start. All right, and, and I hope that if you can come along for our 40th um, anniversary of that, we, we have a, a special afternoon on the 13th of October. Um, but some other, uh, other um, things of note there, um, the school building was constructed and opened in 1987. Um, in 99, we had our first of our many leadership conferences. In 2001, we note there that uh, we sent the Holowatis out as missionaries to Paraguay and Argentina. And then um, further on, uh, just some other things there. So just have a look at that. Um, again, I'm trying to rush through because I do want to pray this evening. But then what does it come down to? And I, I think that it's important that we just note what our values are as we, as we get into the, the rest of the, the course next week. But, you know, we need to be known for, for our values and, and what we stand for. And here's a, just a, a quick value statement as a, as a summary um, Good Shepherd Baptist Church exists to give glory to God in our generation and through our love for Him, our service to others, and our witness of His saving power will affect eternity. Our passion is to be a church that goes from across the street to across the world to spread the message of the gospel. Our practice is to be a church that gathers to be edified through God's Word and be a picture of the love that we have found in Jesus. Our ambition is to be a growing church family in our likeness to Christ and our influence in our world. And our sacrifice is to give of ourselves to the Lord for He is worthy and give our best for His service and for others' benefit. And so we've summarized our church family values in, in those five words, glorifying. Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. We're gathering church, First John 1.3, for... Which, for that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We're a growing church, Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We're a giving church in 2 Corinthians 8.3-4. 
and then we're a going church. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so um, I know it was quick tonight and, and it's not the normal way we would do things, but I hope that you learned a little bit about what it is to be an independent Baptist church and what, where Good Shepherd came from. And, and really it's important that not, not only do we start to understand the formation of it, but we understand that there were many others who, who believed these and by faith followed. And as a result, we're here today. And as a result, you've come along. And, and hopefully your family has already come to understand the blessing and the, the joy it is to come under, in the fellowship uh, of our church. And we certainly are glad. And if we can be a blessing on your journey for the Lord, we want to be a help to you. And so with that, why don't we, um, rather than taking um, prayer requests, un unless there's any urgent ones this evening.